I do have a, a good piece of news for you. When you're in preaching school, on the first day they tell you, if there's a taco lunch, don't preach more than 15 minutes. So, because uh, it's like, just, yeah, no, nobody, nobody wants to hear you talk that, what you have to say is not that important. So, like, we're just going to want to get to uh, the tacos as, as soon as possible. Charlie sent me a, an early version of that song, and I had been thinking about and meditating on like what it looks like to think about this story. And if you were to ask people who don't even know perhaps that much about the Bible, they could probably tell you a lot about that story. The story of, of the prodigal son is one that is, is pretty famous and one that you probably are, are somewhat uh, familiar with. I was talking to somebody yesterday and said, that, that, this is what I'm preaching on. He said, good luck saying something new about that. And it's like, thanks for that. Um, thanks for the vote uh, of confidence. And it's true. We, some, like, we know the story pretty well, but one issue with it that jumps out to me is like, just the fact that we commonly call it the prodigal son. It's, just, it's a horrible name for the story because at the very least, it should be called the prodigal son's. Because it's a story about two people who are really far from God. And in fact, the one who is more dangerous, I think, is the one who thinks he's close to God, but actually is very, very far from his father. Because he's doing all this work and all this stuff, and he thinks that it's made him a certain way. And perhaps you know somebody who became a Christian, and you like them less after they became a Christian. Hopefully it's nobody in this room. But like you see somebody who like comes to faith and... It's like, whoa, whoa, like, what happened to you? Like, you got mean. You aren't really close to the heart of God. C.S. Lewis, the famous theologian, said the worst kind of bad person is a religious bad person. And I think he's right. Because if you think that God is just on your side and God has your back and God signs off on basically, you know, whatever you want to do or whatever your ambition or your hope is, you can get in a really dangerous place. So Austin read that story for us about the son who goes off to a faraway land, wastes all the money, and he comes home. And everybody is stoked. Everybody's excited. There's a feast and a party, except the older brother, because he's been there. I never left. I never took your inheritance and ran off and spoiled it. And then he shows up and some band is warming up. There's a celebration. I love this verse from the prodigal son story from Luke chapter 15. The older son was in the field when he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. How good is the dancing if you hear the dancing? Like, <laughs> I know for me, I learned how to dance from the movie Hitch. Just, you know, keep it real just right here. You know, don't, don't go anywhere outside of that, that range. And so the, the older brother, like, he, he comes, he, and he hears this party, and he is not excited about it. Because his brother, who has wronged the family, is now back. Because to take the inheritance was basically saying to your father, I, I wish you were dead. Like, let, let me just get the money and let's move on. And he's not supposed to come back. He's supposed to stay gone. And I've been here this whole time. He concludes with this thought, which truly is terrifying. He says at the end of this story, coming up, should be next slide, right there you go. Look, all these years, I've been slaving for you. Think about how that would break the father's heart. Is that what you thought this was? 
Is that what it felt like? Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf. And I love how this story ends because we actually don't know what the older brother does. He stays outside the party in this conversation. We don't know what actually happens. And Jesus is teaching this to a mixed gathering of people. He's teaching it to uh, the religious leaders of that time. And he's also teaching it to a group called the tax collectors and sinners. And I always love how the Bible like separates those two. Like the tax collectors are so bad, the sinners are like, I don't want to be associated with you. And so he's teaching this group a very mixed bag of people. And so it's a story for people who perhaps feel that they are very far from God. But honestly, it's those people who I think aren't much of a problem because there's people in our world today that perhaps say, I'm really far from God and they just aren't claiming to be better than anybody else. But what's dangerous is when you start to think that because of your obedience, God owes you something. Because I've been volunteering in the kids' ministry for five years. I've been showing up at Ascensia. I've been doing that stuff. And it's easy for us to start to think in that mindset, but obeying God does not obligate God. And that's actually good news. Because what can happen, I think, that's really dangerous about religious people is religious people can get really excited about sins that they don't struggle with. And focus on those and think about those and put all like the world's focus on those things and then just stand back and be like, yep, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's like hanging out with dad, but like you aren't living this out. And it's easy to start to feel a sense of entitlement. And I would say this goes way beyond just like church and not church people. Like, unfortunately, entitlement is an issue, I think, for all of us in this time. There's a comedian named Louis C.K. who unfortunately seems like a terrible person, uh, but um, <laughs> several years ago, and I always try to remember this conversation he had on the Conan O'Brien show, uh, he was talking with Conan O'Brien, and, he, and his main point is that everything's amazing and nobody's happy, and you should go watch it. It's really a fascinating thing. He, he talks about how our world is better, perhaps, than it ever has been, and nobody seems to be happy. And he talks about how he was on a flight, and the um, flight attendant comes on and says, like, we have this new thing uh, that we, is now available. You can have Wi-Fi in the air. This is one of the first planes uh, that had the ability to connect with the Internet while they were flying. And they were excited about it. Everybody's trying it out on the flight. And then about 30 minutes into the flight, it goes down. And they come on, and they say, sorry, uh, the Wi-Fi is no longer available. Looks like it's not going to work. And the person sitting next to Louis C.K. says, well, this is just great. This thing that 30 minutes ago you didn't even know existed, and now it's this expectation that, like, oh, you know, you deserve to have Wi-Fi on this plane. He continues to talk about how we talk about flying in general, because when you talk to someone who flies, it's like, well, how was your experience? Well, we sat on the runway for 20 minutes, and then what happened? Did you fly through the air? <laughs> Did you go from New York to L.A. in five hours? A trip that back in the day would have taken like five months and half your party would have died? 
Like, let's just realize that everything's amazing and nobody seems to be happy because I think we all carry a little bit of a sense of entitlement. Like kings and queens would look at your life and say, you get to control the air around you? I mean, I know sometimes there's debate of how much you should do that, at least in my household, but you get to control. You can guess which side I'm on. You get to control the air. All this is a gift. And that's where this story just is not just about religious people, because you can think, and, and Charlie did it so beautifully. I was, I was crying right before I was getting up here, thinking of the words that, that he gave us and Nick's song was amazing too, as we think about the perspective of this, of just how hard it is to stay centered on that love. And just in, in that moment, as the, the father runs to the son, and running is not something that important people do. I mean, if you run, it's vulnerable. Not many people look good running. And the father, he's just, he's so amazed that his son has come home that he just sprints out to see him. He comes from this place where he wants to eat slop after pigs. And that is telling you that is the lowest of the low. Because if you know anything about Jewish people, many people who would have been listening to this story first told, like, they don't like bacon. You know, you're not supposed to participate. So the pigs, the slop after pigs is looking at me. This is trying to tell you, this is like the lowest of the low that you can possibly go. You ever had a moment like that? When you expect to be treated in some way and then you aren't treated in that way? And it, it just touches your heart in such a way and it changes you because you're expecting perhaps to have to pay this big fine or you're expecting perhaps for this to happen and just somebody tells you, you know, it's, it's okay. It's all right. You don't need to pay me back. Or it's fine. I forgive you. Just imagine what it's like to have this expectation. He's been walking back on this journey, just practicing this speech about, you know, Dad, if I could just come back as one of your servants, I don't mind. I'll just stay in that position forever. And his dad runs out to meet him. Because there's so much grace all around us. There's a minister named Shane Hips who previous to ministry was in marketing. And so he was focused on that in his career, and he got tired of it because he was tired of telling people what they didn't have. Because what marketing experts are doing, and they're doing a really good job, if they're selling perfume or cologne, they don't sell the perfume or the cologne. They sell an opportunity to meet Mr. Right. I mean, I feel like Cologne commercials really miss the mark because they're super weird. But it's like this, you know, this, this image of, of this person. And, you know, it's just like, wow, like I, I wish that I had the 18-pack that that guy has or whatever it happens to be. And then you see an Apple commercial. And what they're selling is not a computer. They're selling memories, right? A way for you to make sure that you hold on to your memories as best as you possibly can. And so Hips decided to get into ministry, though if you are in marketing and stay in marketing, I think you can do that and still be a Christian. He decided to get into full-time ministry because he decided that he wanted to stop telling people about what they didn't have and instead tell them what they did. 
they were deeply loved by God. That every breath, every moment is a gift. And you and I are actively covered by the grace of God in every single moment. See, what's beautiful about the story of the prodigal son is it reveals the love that God has for all of us. And it's not just in a moment when we are far away. It's in the moments that we often can take for granted and miss, that God's presence and love is with us at every single moment. And that's the problem with the older brother. He just doesn't realize it. Can you start to see your life is a gift of God's grace? Could you start to recognize all the goodness that is around you, sometimes that perhaps you forget? There's a study done by UC Berkeley, and they had three groups of people. The first third, they asked them to just write down everything that happened in their day, both positive and negative, everything that happened. And the second group, they asked them to write down the bad stuff that happened in their day. And the third group, they asked them to write down just the good things, the blessings that they had seen. And after studying this group for three months, they found that that final group, the group that just focused on the good things that had happened in their day, reported less stress, higher levels of alertness, enthusiasm, less depression, and this group was prone to acts of kindness. Because if you're just focused on the grace changes how you live. Every breath that you and I take is a moment when God says yes to your life and to my life. And even though your life isn't perfect and my life isn't perfect, and sometimes there's debate about turning the AC on, every breath that I take, it's a gift. And I'm not entitled to it. Neither are you. If you have thought about the story of the prodigal son at all, you might have come across the Rembrandt painting from 1669 of the prodigal son, which is going to be up here, I think, to my side. I think. Am I good? Yeah, I'm out of the way. Rembrandt, this is the most famous of the prodigal son paintings. And it's the older brother who was over there on the side in, in red, looking a bit upset that his brother has come home. And the father welcomes back this lost son. And he has one hand that is masculine and one hand that is feminine to represent the whole nature of God. There are many debates about why this is the picture that seems to have really stuck with people because there are countless pictures of the prodigal son that exist. Around this time even, there are multiple artists who are painting this story. There's some speculation that one of the reasons why this one perhaps captures so many hearts is the emotion that's there. You're just able to feel it. You're able to see things really just jump off the painting. 
And Rembrandt himself had dealt with a lot of loss. Early in his career, he was very wealthy. He ended up losing most of it. And very sadly, he lost his wife. And he lost three of his kids. So there's some speculation that he was able to paint that emotion because he understood just what it would be like to see his sons again. There's a pastor named Matt Chandler who is a pretty famous pastor, and he said that there was a time in his life when he got a cancer diagnosis, and it was looking pretty bad, and he was extremely worried about it. He ended up being okay. But he happened to be home alone, sitting on the couch around Christmas time, and he was dealing with that diagnosis, and he was, he was worried, and he was afraid. And he said he was sitting on the couch, and he was looking up above his mantle, and he saw some pictures of people that had sent Christmas cards to his family. And he said as he was sitting there looking at some of these cards, he saw this one guy in his church who had three kids. And he just knew he wasn't a good guy. He knew a little bit about him, that he was at the church but not really participating. And he knew some stuff about his behavior that just wasn't great. And Chandler remembers sitting in this space and He says, you know, I'm a famous pastor. I speak to a lot of people. And he remembers sitting in this space thinking like, God, why him and not me? Like, why does he get this? And I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. And he said he was convicted in that moment, and he felt the voice of God say to him, can you not see all the love around you? Can you not see all the love around you? May we recognize that the story of the prodigal son It's a story that we all need to actively participate in to remember how much we need the grace of God because praise God, maybe you have been part of a church for 20 years and you volunteered and everything and praise God that you're here. But just because you have been doing it for 20 years doesn't make you any more special than the one who has just come for the first time because that is the story of the love of God. And may we always think about those who aren't here yet because that is the heart of God. And may we always focus on the blessings that we have, the things that that we can participate in in the here and now. Because for all of us, can you not see the love that you already have? Because praise God, there's so much grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... This morning, we thank you for the gifts that Nick and Charlie have given us to help us just think about this familiar story in some fresh ways. I pray that we would actively remember the love that you have for each and every one of us. It isn't just in one moment. It continues all the time.
Help us to think about the gifts and the grace that you show us every single day because it'll transform us into the people that we need to be. Help us to see the love around us all the time. As in your son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen.